The Plant, A Steampunk Story, by Francis Rosenfeld. Chapter 6. After hearing his story, strongly disapproving of his son's choices and discussing the situation with Carol, Tom agreed to lift Richard's punishment, even though very reluctantly. The boy counted the minutes until the following Saturday, when he expressed renewed enthusiasm for his rock collection and left for the factory as soon as the first rays of sun peaked over the horizon. He was so eager to see what the plant did in his absence that the half-hour walk only took him 20 minutes. In his enthusiasm to get to the factory floor as soon as possible, he almost ran straight into the evaluation committee, assembled for the purposes of finding a solution to the plant problem and, just as importantly, figuring out how was it possible for it to happen. Hashtag asterisk percent and Richard said to himself, peeved that his secret weekend kingdom was overrun by non-compliant zealots. Can't they do this during the week, why did they have to take over my time, he mulled, resentful. First his dad was putting the stops on him, and now this. He found a good place to hide, where he knew nobody would think to look, and tried to make the best of the unpleasant situation by trying to find out more about what the research unveiled so far. In his irritation, he almost failed to notice the change in scenery, which could only be described as breathtaking by any human soul. The plant seemed to have matured by now, and the bright chartreuse of its young foliage had softened to a deeper, less saturated green that gleamed with a coppery and tungsten sheen as the morning sunshine passed through it. The plant swirled and weaved around the pipes, just floating around them, touching them only at the penetration points, dispersing main branches into a profusion of metallic stems and then reuniting them, like a large river at an estuary, all the while surrounding the glossy islands of the control valves, flow meters and wire connections, presenting them to the stunned observer like high-end jewelry stores display expensive gems on velvet pillows. There were no visible signs of corrosion anywhere on the pipes, no water spots, no discoloration, no salt deposits, every component sparkled. It looked as if both sides of this unbelievable biomechanical forest had been installed together very recently and carefully designed not to interfere with each other any more than it was absolutely necessary. The coppery and silver gleam on the dark foliage changed the quality of the light in the large hall, making it softer, almost surreal, like an illustration for an enchanted fairy tale forest. Richard was dumbfounded. He watched the leaves and tendrils sway gently in the air conditioning flow and they appeared to him to move of their own free will, somehow, playfully, as if they were trying to impress the boy with their prowess. We're still waiting for the lab reports, a gruff voice woke him up from his reverie, but as far as I can see it shouldn't be so hard to rip this out, it only attaches in a few points. He drew closer to one of the meld points to assess the strength of the connection and the rest of the committee followed him. This looks like weld, but I'm sure it's not as strong, although we'd still probably need power tools to cut it out. We might be better off cutting out that section of the pipe altogether and replacing it, he offered his opinion. That's the main distribution branch, it would be very costly to shut it down. How many man-hours do you think you'll need to have this taken care of, his colleague asked. Off the top of my head, I'll say two men, four days, but I'll have to run the numbers on it to tell you exactly, the gruff voice answered. For that section alone, his colleague asked. Yes. Of course we can't do that before we get the replacement valve, these things tend to be on back order. And cost a fortune, the third voice interjected. I suggest we don't replace anything we can repair until we put together a cost comparison of the options. Also, we don't know how far inside the pipes this pest runs, we don't want to spin our wheels and lose our shirt on this repair and then have it sprout leave somewhere else the moment we are finished, the gruff voice complained. He's right about that. Kendall, why don't you get a team together and x-ray the pipes, we want to have a good picture of what we're dealing with, here. 
Although the information is probably going to be outdated by the time we finish, I can feel this monster grow as I'm looking at it, but it's better than having no information at all. Did the lab issue at least a preliminary report on this nightmare? A fourth voice asked the first guy, who seemed to be the group leader. Unfortunately, it seems to be a random mutation that makes the plant grow a metal coat, so to speak. Based on iron and titanium, there are a couple of other metals in the alloy too, it's going to be a pain to cut. A soft rolling rumble passed through the group, testimony to their collective disbelief that nature would even allow such an abomination. It's going to eat through the pipes like a termite until it finishes all the iron, the fourth voice protested. Not so. It did consume some iron in the beginning, now it replicates it, the first speaker replied. It grows iron like produce, the fourth voice replied incredulously. From what I understand, it's more like nails or hair, the former explained. The plant grows steel hair, the latter mocked. Well, not exactly, the former tried to clarify his point. Great. We get the metal already drawn into wire and everything. Never mind, another voice in the background protested. So, you mean there is potential for us to actually harvest and use some of this metal? Some. We need to study it further, for now the first priority is to remove it from the pipes. We don't even know how it propagates or under what conditions. What makes you so sure you'll be able to grow it somewhere else? We need to take our time and not rush into anything we'll regret. Not rush. It's going to swallow us alive before we get the metal out of it. Are you seriously considering any delay on the removal of this? Have you even looked around? Does this seem like a functional factory floor to you? Another person exclaimed, exasperated. The group quieted in acknowledgement of the fact that machining high-precision components in the middle of the enchanted forest didn't seem like a rational proposition. Okay, so, action items, Ken, x-ray the pipes, Chad, give me a comparative cost estimate on replacement versus repair costs, Julie, call the lab and commission another study to assess the usability of the metal. I can't believe I'm saying this, but do I have a volunteer who would like to spend some time with a horticulturist and get an understanding of what makes this thing tick? Groans and protests ensued. Please, it's important, he cajoled. A volunteer stepped forward, with all the joy and enthusiasm of a human sacrifice. After this, the gathering finally scattered and everyone went home, after the customary polite inquiries about children and family events. Richard was relieved to finally see them gone, so that he could get out of his hiding place, which was cramped and uncomfortable. He found himself rooting for the willful plant, and hoping, in spite of logic, that the research took as long as possible, to allow it to thrive a little longer, the beautiful trespasser. He vowed to do a little bit of research on his own, to figure out if he could take a cutting, or a leaf, or something, and grow it somewhere else, there must be a good location somewhere along that abandoned route where he could plant it and care for it, away from prying eyes. He touched one of the leaves and gasped, because it was as hot as a stove, and this brought up another practical concern. How does one care for a plant one can't touch without burning oneself? He spent an hour walking around the factory, inspecting his precious, not knowing whether to be happy or sad about its extraordinary transformation. It definitely looked nothing like his secret weekend kingdom anymore, it almost seemed to have grown another dimension, and under the thick padding of greenery he could barely discern the bones of its original structure. He stopped at the lookout on his way back to rest his eyes on the beautiful city view, trying to figure out how much their lives were going to change. He feared that change and the uncertainty it brought, and then remembered Jack and his alien conspiracy theories. 
Richard would have been almost relieved to prove his friend right, at least it would have given him an explanation for why all of this happened, it would have given him someone to blame. But there wasn't anybody to blame and nothing to blame them for, either, getting upset about this situation was just as useless as blaming the wind for scattering the leaves you just finished raking. The wind doesn't care. He arrived home just in time to avoid giving a full account of his morning activities and spent the rest of the day being a model teenager, to his parents' great joy and bewilderment. Jack showed up for their regular get-together at the malt shop, a little late and frazzled. Richard decided to start with the bad news just to get them out of the way. Sorry, man. No aliens. Yes, I know, Jack said, irritated. Say, do you think it would be possible to get a piece of that plant? I'd do anything to get a peek, he exclaimed, eyes gleaming. How? Jack faked shock. I can't get into the factory, I'm sure it's locked all the time. We could, maybe, find our way inside it somehow, you know. Jack suggested. There is no way, you know that. Besides, we just dodged a bullet, I don't want to get in trouble anytime soon, Richard protested, really irked that Jack couldn't even give their latest disaster a couple of weeks to cool down before he proposed another blunder. You don't know that we're going to get in trouble, what makes you think we're going to get in trouble? Maybe there is a way to get in, Jack insisted, really fixated on his new project. There isn't, Richard thought on his feet, trying to find the quickest detour that might circumvent this conversation. Hey, maybe I could ask my dad to bring home a cutting when they start removing it, he offered, pleased to have come up with an escape hatch. Do you think he would be willing to do that? Jack asked, filled with hope. Sure, dude. It wouldn't be a problem. My dad and I, we're like that, he presented his hand to Jack, to show his middle finger wrapped around his index. All I need to do is ask. Richard bragged, very sure of himself. I heard it grows metal, Jack spoke, in a low, hopeless voice. That's not natural, man. If the aliens aren't involved, then there's got to be something else. Something more sinister, I fear. I think, my friend, that we are looking at the end of days, he said, with the seriousness of a person preparing to experience terrible hardship. I'm going to miss you, dude, he declared, emotional, looking Richard in the eyes. It surely isn't your average natural phenomenon, but I don't know about the end of days. Richard debated his friend's premise. You don't have to spare my feelings, I can deal with whatever comes, I always have. Jack stopped his attempt to comfort him. Things are what they are. Right? No reason to sugarcoat the truth. He bequeathed his brave last words unto the world. He then looked down into his glass to be further saddened by the fact that all of his beverage was gone. Do you think we could have another one of these? We don't know how long we have left to enjoy them, you know. Two more vanilla floats made their way to their table, which was by the window, bathed in the gorgeous light of the winter sunset, with views to a sky painted in incredible shades of orange, purple and canary yellow. Across the street, two families had taken a short break in their daily stroll and stopped in the middle of the sidewalk to exchange the latest news. Their toddlers were running around them, full of an energy impossible to tame, forcing them to interrupt their chat regularly, to settle down the little ones, stops that put a strange, almost musical rhythm in their conversation. The first snow had fallen the day before, and it glowed sparkling white, in contrast with the tree decorations and the colorful winter coats. Who knows how long we're going to enjoy sunsets like this, Jack mourned, philosophically. I'm pretty sure the sky is going to stay put, Richard replied, confused, not understanding what got into his friend, who was normally very upbeat, bordering on irresponsible. 
What guarantees do we have, really? Yesterday you were sure there couldn't be a plant growing in the pipe distribution manifold. How do you know that it's not going to suck all the oxygen out of the atmosphere and let us all expire, desperate and gasping for air? He painted their gruesome demise, lingering over its details. Richard didn't know how to answer him. And all the heat will be drawn from all of us to be consumed by that ice-cold plant, so cold, so dreadful. Jack continued contemplating his landscape of doom. Actually, it's hot to the touch, Richard let out without thinking. He realized his mistake as the words were still passing his lips, but it was too late, the cat was already out of the bag. Aha. Uh -huh. I knew it. You scoundrel, you saw the plant and don't want to tell me anything about it. Spill, he ordered, miraculously regaining his hope for the future. Wow, 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 back up, dude. Richard tried to repair his misstep. I heard my dad talking about it, is all. Jack stared him down with a look that didn't leave any room for dissimulating the truth. You're a terrible liar, snake. Leave that to the experts, man, you really stink at it. So, what do you know about the plant? 